This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. How about that, friends? Steve Downs welcoming you to the world's greatest Xbox podcast, Podcast Unlocked, the voice of Master Chief. Uh, I am definitely not him. I'm not that cool. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, but I'm joined by cool friend, Destin Legary. Hey, everybody. Bam! Yes. That was a fantastic intro, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Miranda Sanchez. Hello. I was, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. What if it's good evening? What if it's the evening? Or good evening. left all that no, out. You, you, don't, you don't get a good evening. <laughs> you get to oh, have a great harsh. evening. <laughs> and Seth Macy making his unlocked debut from IGN Maine. That is... Man, I'm su- such an honor to finally be here. Yay. Yeah, you, you, you've completed your, your bingo card. Yep. You get a free uh, sandwich now from uh, San Francisco. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to the show, my friend. Brendan Tyrell is locked down planning the IGN Summer of Gaming event that we've been telling you about the last couple of weeks. So uh, I expect we, we might not see poor Brandon as much for a while because that is uh, quite an undertaking trying to schedule that whole thing. But thankfully, Seth is up to the task. My fellow TurboGrafx-16 nerd, uh, he has his nerd credentials need no need no uh, establishing. They are well-established. Look at that. I hate you that you have that. And <laughs> Amazon still hasn't shipped mine or anyone else's. I mean, technically, that's property of IGN, so I, sh- I could send it to you. <laughs> you outrank me, too, so you, you force me to do that. Well, anyway, we're talking Xbox today, of course. Uh, but yes, I want to thank Steve Downs uh, and Cameo for making that intro possible. That was... That was some of the easiest money I've ever spent. All, all of that. So S- Steve is on there with a bunch of other celebrities. My wife and I were going down the cameo rabbit hole after I showed that to her. And yeah, there's all kinds of celebrities on there who and right now, all the money for doing those, you know, whether you're just doing like a shout out or whatever it is, a birthday greeting and or you're a maniac like me and use it for a show. Uh, it's all for COVID-19 relief. It's all going to charitable relief fund. So that is the new unlocked intro. Get used to seeing it and hearing it because we're going to use it pretty much forever from now on because who's cooler than Steve Downs? All right. Uh, I want to start by talking about a, an interesting story that popped uh, over the past week. And that was a Bloomberg report, which cited some people uh, in internal at Sony. Uh, and this obviously will tie into Microsoft. And it, the the long and the short of it is that Bloomberg was suggesting via their Sony sources that Sony might not ship as many PS5s in the first two quarters it's available uh, as they would have, as they did for PS4, because the high price combined with the anticipated lower demand due to the unfortunate economic circumstances now uh, means that that the the PS5 uh, might be in tougher supply than the PS4 was. And I wanted to get everybody's take on this because to me, again, as, it, as we're relating this to an Xbox podcast, it could open the door for Microsoft to get off to a faster start than, I mean, it goes without saying, than last generation, but or I should say, I guess this one still. But it, there's, there's, there is an opportunity for Microsoft here, depending on how they play things. Yeah, absolutely. I will chime in. <laughs> um, I, I think... This could be a smart prediction just because, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know, like talking about the pandemic on, on the show is like a little weird always, but uh, they're like globally, like our economies are being pretty 
hit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I definitely have family members who had to take pay cuts and uh, all sorts of other things. You know that everyone's being impacted in various ways. Um, so maybe there's not the biggest, I think there's still going to be, of course, like a demand for the next gen consoles, but maybe that demand will be diminished from what it would have been otherwise. Um, just because of like, oh, well I could buy a $500 console or I can keep paying my rent and have like the meals that I want. And right. so unfortunately that's like kind of the situation for some people and it's really, really tough. Um, so I think, you know, that's obviously more of the bigger concern than whether or not there will be more praise PS5s. But uh, I think, like, to your point, that if the availability of having more of our Xboxes available will maybe make it an easier choice for people who don't want to have to actually go hunt these down. And if, especially for those who I think were maybe on the fence of which to get first, it's like, oh, well, I could get this first because I like the games that will be on the Xbox, but I could also get PlayStation 5. I'm not sure yet. Well, then maybe just, like, the availability of Xbox will make it a little bit easier. You make yeah, a, so really, go ahead, Destin. A, Miranda makes a really good point, and actually, it also could give the, the Xbox a head start because they're going to have more of a chance to have a larger install base than the the PlayStation Five. Phil seems undeterred from his stance that they're going to have a decent amount of units, and there aren't going to be production impact. We'll see if that holds up. Um, I, I hope it does. But with the additional price point consideration of the PS Five being potentially more expensive. Xbox can at least match that price. And if there's more units on the shelves to purchase, that could be a good thing. They also don't want to go the other direction the way the Dreamcast did and have too many where they've oversaturated the market. So they'll probably find a sweet spot and you know figure it out and go from there. So here are the numbers. Let me, let me pull from this Bloomberg piece. Uh, Bloomberg reports an expected 500 to $550 price for the PS5. I think we've all kind of been, a lot of us have been thinking 500 all along for PS5. But uh, Bloomberg says Sony sold 7.5 million PS4s during its first two fiscal quarters and projects only 5 to 6 million uh, PS5s to be made. And I would presume all of those sold or the overwhelming majority of them sold uh, in the in the first two quarters, so um, that's a that's a potentially up to you know you're talking a third or so less uh, on the high side, but again, yeah, I think that if the, what's interesting about this is that it's Bloomberg talks about uh, the production capacity for Sony not not being the issue. It's not a we can't ramp up the the manufacturing facilities due to the pandemic it's no it's the anticipated demand not the not the supply so presumably that also means microsoft's supply situation will be fine and they don't they won't have a a uh, production issue but again i go back to the phil spencer interview that we did on this show a few weeks ago where where phil said uh that they that they would be fluid on price and that he had the backing of the cfo and the ceo of microsoft who I remind you all, a $1.33 trillion market cap company compared to Sony, a $78 billion market cap company. And that's not the be-all end-all because you have the Xbox division within Microsoft that accounts for so much of the revenue and the PlayStation division accounting for a different, you know, its own big share of Sony's revenue. So it's not quite apples to apples, but it's still, you're talking about a, a, over a tenfold difference in overall market share. So my point is, if Microsoft decides to use that fluidity in price and either match or perhaps even undercut the PS5 on price and pump out more units than Sony is is willing to here, uh, at a lower price, Microsoft might be able to move all of those units if they go 400 or 450, something like that, 
So I, I feel like that there is a, a real opportunity for Microsoft. And again, Miranda, your point is well taken about it's it's a little weird to talk about this in the in the context of economic distress. Uh, but at the same point, we're here. We're on an Xbox podcast. We're sensitive to all that, but we're we are here to talk about the the world and the business of Xbox. So yeah, I, I it, the the planets seem to be aligning to give Microsoft a chance to get off to a a pretty good start here. Absolutely. Yeah. And to also chime in, we can't forget about Lockhart. Yes. Yeah, some rumors of that starting to pick up now. The Series S, which is what we've been calling it for a while. Uh, is it going to be shown off soon? I mean, I would think it would have to be revealed soon. There's the, the winds are blowing that maybe it's a four teraflop machine, which would actually put it beneath the Xbox One X on the power spectrum. But maybe it would have things like the uh, the high-speed hard drive, the NVS, uh, NVSE. Mm. Nope. Thank you, Destin. <laughs> See, this is what, what happens when I'm talking off the top of my head. But yeah, so it's the, the picture should be a lot clearer in a month. But uh, for now, Microsoft seems to be sitting really, really well here. And Sony has been overall very quiet. Uh, and the, the, the coronavirus has thrown everything into chaos. So Microsoft's sitting well right now. And, and the ball is in Sony's court to figure out what they're going to do, but it's going to be, I think the next two months will be super, super interesting. All right. Uh, let me move on with the, the sort of rest of the news. And I, this, I, I got to stop talking and let you guys talk here because <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 6. I'm about to say, has, this is your story, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Seth too. Come on, Seth. Uh, hey. uh, yes, I do love GTA, but yeah, I know it's shocking news that it, there's, it's confirmed that Grand Theft Auto 6 is in development, yeah. but uh, an anonymous source close to Rockstar confirming to IGN an initial report by Kotaku that GTA, the next Grand Theft Auto game, is in development. Now, Kotaku's report, what's interesting about this, this isn't just, well, uh, duh, of course, GTA 6 is in development, but uh, Kotaku's report places a, a, a large focus on workplace changes that are allegedly being implemented at Rockstar following, you guys remember, the, the, it was a real big topic of discussion largely on the back of Kotaku's reporting as uh, if you're not watching on video, by the way, let me just sorry. say you need, to, you need to be watching on video. Don't you're be getting, sorry. It's amazing. <laughs> you're getting cat tail. You're getting all kinds of good stuff, but a little cat kiss. So uh, in any case, the report goes on to explain that due to the changing nature of conditions at Rockstar, the company is considering ways of altering production to avoid similar crunch issues as they ran into on Red Dead Redemption 2. One such plan is to allegedly have the next Grand Theft Auto be a, quote, moderately sized release, which by Rockstar standards would probably still be a large game, that is then expanded with regular updates over time, which may help mitigate stress and crunch. Uh, Rockstar has attempted to root out the causes of the widespread crunch report at the studio, including changes in leadership throughout many of its offices, outside management training, and plans to improve technology pipelines and scheduling for production on GTA 6. Uh, well, there's concern at the studio, according to Kotaku's report, but many anonymous developers speaking to Kotaku were cautiously optimistic about the future. So there's a lot to, to break down there. Uh, we should probably start with the idea of a moderately sized GTA 6 and what that would look like. The more I think about this, the more I actually really, really like the idea of a moderately sized GTA. 
moderately sized still means huge. It's still going to be a huge <laughs> expansive world in terms of what like what Rockstar is going to deliver, right? And that means that we're going to get expansions that continue to increase the size of that world over time. And I love the idea of having constant updates that give me new areas to explore in the world of Grand Theft Auto. It also gives them the opportunity to be more timely or uh, topical with the content that they're able to bring to the game. Seth, so, talk to me. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm kind of with, with Destin on this one. Like, I, I'm looking forward to sort of the, the quote-unquote moderately sized release. But at the same time, if this, you know, this is coming to the next generation systems, a lot of the time they're going to be spending is building the just like the graphical assets, you know, for a new 4K or, you know, oh yeah, supposedly 8K supporting consoles. So there's going to be like, it's going to have to be this sort of ground up rebuild with just everything. So I think by the very nature of technology moving forward, it kind of has to be moderately sized release. So I think they're sort of telling us like, you know, oh, uh, it has to be this way, but we, we planned it like that. <laughs> it's an interesting point. Yeah, you make a good point, Miranda. So one of the things that I like about the potential with this is honestly, it actually reminds me of a game I'm playing right now a lot, which is Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> I which thought is, you were going to weird... say Outer Wilds. GTA Egg Day. <laughs> no, no, not quite, not quite. Uh, which is weird to compare it like that because uh, for a lot of Animal Crossing fans, it, there's a lot of things that seem to be like missing from classic versions, um, like certain characters, certain buildings, they're just like not included. But the, before it came out, they're like, hey guys, we're going to have these big free updates. Like we're going to have events. We're going to have all these other things. We're seeing more and more now that they're going to use those free updates to add in that like classic stuff that we kind of expected to have with like different systems to them to make them more interesting to how they're putting out this game um and of course it launched with like different features that were really exciting and new so i could see gta doing something similar like that um and i think nintendo was really smart about how they planned the release too so they they essentially started giving us the biggest update with another new whole collectible system 30 days after and that's like actually a weird benchmark in the game for how long you've been playing and certain things unlock. So it's like, okay, if they can time their releases and like their update and their content or their bigger content updates with like expectations for when players either kind of hit, you know, I guess like a benchmark of like, oh, they should have all these things done by then. Like an average player would do this, all this by then. They would be completed and then they'd be kind of ready for another big chunk of content that I think that could actually go really, really well. And Dustin, to your point, keep it a little bit more topical, keep it more interesting. And I think uh, one of the things that I always worry about with big games is like side quests and making them meaningful or interesting. And I think GTA does a great job with that. But I think they could just take it a step forward with that too, because they'll have potentially more time to write them and get a little bit more innovative with what they do in these stories and whatever they choose to add. So I think this could be like actually a really fun way to kind of keep that longevity going for GTA 6. Yeah, yeah Dustin, go ahead. Yeah. It's sort oh, yeah, of like just... two, it's two models and they've really found a sweet spot. You're going to get your Netflix binge style, huge content drop, right? And then yes. you're going to get uh, episodes that will continue to evolve that world. Maybe you'll follow a character or something. I'm incredibly excited about what they do with this. And if it means that their workers are going to be treated better and they're going to have a better work-life balance and environment, I'm all for it, especially because at the end of the day, we're still going to get GTA 6, which I have all the faith in the world that Rockstar will be able to deliver on. They haven't let us down yet and go from there. Yeah, you, Destin, you make a great point because a moderately sized GTA is not going to lose one copy of sales <laughs> from being moderately sized. This is Grand Theft Auto. It's going to be, again, I've said this before on the podcast, we've talked about this. I'm willing to bet any lunch that 
we're it's going to be 10 years between grand theft autos there's this this piece already says it's it's still it's early in development uh which makes sense because again rockstar largely works as one giant global unit now not a bunch of rockstar north rockstar san diego rockstar vancouver all that that's all done and they are one giant studio and so that means they were all on red dead 2 which shipped in the the fall of 2018 so they're collectively roughly a year and some change into GTA, which isn't that long considering that GTA 5 took, what, I think five or six years of development. I think we're probably, again, it's going to be fall 2023. I think it's three years at the earliest for the next GTA, which would, again, put it 10 years after five. But yeah, Destin, what, what you're talking about with, uh, sorry, Miranda, what you're talking about with, with the... The, iter- the staying topical, I think, is a great point because that series has one of the many parts that, about it that are brilliant to me is how it's such a it's such a satire of that moment in time when it comes out. GTA Four in Liberty City, two thousand eight, was sort of the the initial rise of social media, uh, you know, as as a good example, and and a lot of the and they had internet cafes still and. Uh, and in the, including in the game. And so, yeah, the, the idea, they're already kind of working that way now and have been for five years because of, or more, gosh, no, six, seven years with GTA Online, where there, it's just a constant iterative improvement uh, and, and they've added more stuff. But so just naturally extending that to the single player side of things could make a lot of sense. All I was going to say is like, wait, 10 years? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Just because, I don't know, like GTA has always felt, GTA 5 in particular has always felt like it's still living pretty healthy life. It's yes. It's still oh, going, yeah. like that community's still bustling. There's always something interesting going on. And and like Carrie, it's like, oh, it's almost been 10 years. It's like, excuse you? <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, still in like it, was, the top it 10. was the number. Yeah, thank you, Seth. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like every month it's in the top 10 releases in the NPD numbers. And like some months it'll be the top selling game of yeah. the month. Yeah, a six yeah. six and a half year old game, and just in, the NPDs just came out. I think it was yesterday from uh, March, and it was. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, it, but I believe it was the the fourth or fifth best selling game. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Of, it's over, March well over hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it's just. Uh, I've been so tempted to go back to it too, but I me I managed too. to find myself. <laughs> I, I'm busier than ever with work, despite not having a commute anymore. <laughs> uh somehow things are still crazy busy but um but yeah it's it's just incredible to see the success of that game but gta 6 yeah like i said it's going to be a cultural event whenever it comes out even if it's moderately sized and gamers now are used to that steady drip of content from from all their favorite games so gta has to evolve with the times on that as well and if it as you guys said if it makes for a better work-life balance for the uh for the global staff all the better Next this week, uh, I think we'll, I don't know if we're able to put it up now so you guys can see it or if it'll just go up in post for mainly our audience to see it. But the Xbox Series X logo has uh, seemingly been revealed via a patent discovery. I don't, I, I'm going to assume that we're seeing it now because we're not literally seeing it live, but yay post-production. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think of this thing? Now, this obviously isn't, we're just talking about the Series X part itself we're not talking about you know, the, the xbox nexus we've already seen what the series x looks like it's the same xbox nexus logo uh, for the button and the, the you know the power button and, and on the box itself but for this typography this this sort of design choice what do you guys think 
I don't like it at all. No. <laughs> I hope that's not it. No, that looks like uh, like it, it looks like the logo you'd see on some obscure piece of like magnetic media from the late '90s or something. I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. Maxo wow. HD floppy disk, one point four four megabyte. So I, I think because more this, <laughs> so because this is like a trademark thing, I think it's the most boring version of the logo they possibly could, just for trademarking purposes. So yeah. there's no coloration to it, there's no gradient on it. It's just very solid. I could imagine that the designers and if they have any animation with the logo, they could they could really uh, spice this up and make it look pretty good. I, I do agree with Seth. I don't really love this version of it, but it's because the artists haven't really had a chance to mess around and make it look snazzy, so to speak. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> I, I like it, it though. fine. I think, I mean, you can only do so much with Series X. Like Series is pretty long and then you got a big X. So like, there's not a ton I feel like you can do with that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of options, but I think the design they presented really feels like it fits the console. I mean, because they are going for this very sleek tower. It's very clean cut. It's not supposed to be really flashy. And I think this showing that they're not trying to be flashy, it just looks very professional, um, is pretty representative of that idea. It's throughout. very lacking in flash. I agree. Yeah, it's not meant to be like flash deficient. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, I think with these new, con or at least with the Microsoft consoles, they're not. I think we brought this up before, like their, their designs aren't meant to be like toys. Like they're professional pieces of tech in a way, even though they are toys because it's video games. This is, kind of, kind yeah, of sometimes. This, sorry, Miranda. <laughs> no, um, that's fine. Yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> I think I mean, something. <laughs> Go ahead, this Destin. Is some, this is something we'll see like on the back of the console, on the UPC number. And it's something you're going to see on banners during, you know, E3 next year, if it's still happening. And uh, during football games. This is for readability. This is for, you know, brand placement. This isn't something you're going to see necessarily on the front of your console. They still have the Xbox logo. This is specifically a marketing thing that they, they've designed. So we'll have to wait to see the final implementation of the, of the look. Destin, I, I didn't even have that in my notes. So it's like you're reading my brain right now. Oh, yeah. uh, Cause that was exactly my thought is this, this is kind of a, not a non-story. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have brought it up if it was a non-story, but but you're right. I mean, this is just going to be for marketing materials. Mm -hmm. Like it's, as you said, it won't be on the front of the console. It probably won't even be in the interface. Like when you boot up the console, except maybe on the, the splash screen, which you'll pretty much never see because if most, I think most of us probably keep our consoles in the, in the always on mode so that mm -hmm. it boots up instantly. So yeah, it's just for marketing materials. You'll probably never see it. Now, I, uh, a Twitter follower pointed this out, and I, I couldn't have agreed more. I, I get why they stuck with the Nexus logo, because they're trying to break down generational walls and say, hey, this is an Xbox family now. But, you know, it, this was a, would have been a cool opportunity. And I'll bet if Phil were here, he, could, he would probably confirm that they did think about this. But it, it would have been cool if they'd have gone back to the original xbox logo the thing that like explodes out of the 2d plane <laughs> yeah, the yeah. X. because after all the name of the console is xbox and then it's this we've got the series x and then presumably the series s coming so they they could have gone back because why not wash away any bad will remaining for from this generation of <laughs> xbox one and just bring it back to the og logo 
I'm sure that had to be a consideration at some point. And that would have been a cool thing to have as like a, a, a button on the, on the front of the series X. It would have, <laughs> uh, I will say that the, the design they have presented, I, I don't want to sticker of it. Like I, I'll pass. That's, yeah. that's a bad sign. <laughs> but like to your point, yeah, that's, they, they still have our little nexus. We, we've got that good piece and like, I guess for like more marketing material stuff and like whatever they choose to do for like the overarching, like just Xbox logo, eventually we'll see. I, I don't know if they're going to do anything different specifically for that line of hardware, but um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. That's going to get the tattoo first is what I want to know. Oh, the Series X tattoo? Somebody, yeah. I guarantee somebody's got one already. Like they, oh, yeah. they, like they're, they're a tattoo artist so they can, they can be at home and they're incredibly talented so they could. I don't know, maybe aim for a thigh or something where they, they didn't they didn't need a weird angle. Somebody's probably already done it, even despite the quarantine. I'd be willing to bet. If somebody can produce evidence of that for me on social media, it would prove my point. What do you, it's gonna be you, Seth. You could do it. Come on, buddy. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have any branded tattoos. Yeah. Who's that in your lap, Seth? Who what, what this is awesome. adorable awesome. creature? My little dog. And he's stuck in here with me, and he was crying. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep him from ruining the show. Aww. Uh, yeah. Well, I just my cat with water. <laughs> different parenting styles. Cats versus dogs in a nutshell, right there. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the if the final final Series X typeface slash logo ends up any different from from what's uh, unearthed in that patent. Uh, next, so here's. This one's a little out of left field, and I have to say, I mean, I know a lot of people are happy about this. I'm not going to rain on anybody's joy. I'm happy about this. Good. We'll talk about it in a second. I just want to say I'm I'm getting personally dangerously close to being very fed up with remasters in general because they are, like, starting. We talked about this one or two shows ago that it's the beginning of the generation, and now, like, we are seeing a huge uptick of these here at the end of the generation. And this one, though is at least going to make a lot of people happy because this game's been gone for a while. Destin, Crisis Remastered. Yeah. The original Crisis. So can it run Crisis? Yes. Your console <laughs> can run Crisis yeah. now that we're in 2020. It's being co-developed by Saber Interactive, who are no stranger to the remaster game. They did Halo Anniversary for Microsoft and 343. Crisis Remastered features improved graphics and optimizations for current-gen consoles. This includes high-quality textures, improved art assets, temporal anti-aliasing. I don't even know what SSDO is or SVOGI. Those must be PC bits that I that are out of my depth. <laughs> Lighting things. Yeah. Uh, depth of field, new light settings, motion blur, particle effects, and there will even be software-based ray tracing. That's that. I'm guessing that's not on it because an Xbox One can't do that. Uh, neither can a PS4. But in any case, because it's coming to everything. PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. There's even Crisis <laughs> on the Switch. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. But uh, yeah. So Destiny. Okay. You're, you're you're excited about this. I am really excited about this. I actually just started playing through the original Crisis again on my PC. We posted 21 minutes of of the original Crisis from 2007 on uh, YouTube.com/ign, and it holds up. It still looks so good. Um, there's a lot of stuff you have to do to sort of like get the game running right now. I'm really, really excited for this remaster. One of the main problems with the original game is it was built for one processor. So you only use one of your processor cores on PC when you run it. And that's why it still runs like crap. 
Digital Foundry has a fantastic breakdown about the original Crisis, but just moving this game to the the Crisis Three engine or the newest engine that is utilized, it's going to take it above and beyond uh, where that original looked. Some of the stuff that I hope that they improve, I hope they improve how the vehicles look because like the opening cutscene has an airplane that sort of flies in, and you can kind of tell they didn't spend as much time on that. But they spent a lot of time on a lot of the the main characters who wear the suits and their face models and. They're just showing off in that trailer, and I am absolutely impressed by how good it still looks in 2020. There's games that that just never quite got there the way Crisis did, and I'm very, very excited for this remaster personally. Uh, let's not. I'm not done talking about Crisis yet. Let's let's continue the <laughs> Crisis conversation because I, I do think there's there's a lot here. Because the next point I wanted to bring up, and I'm curious what you guys think of this, is, I mean, I get it from a business perspective you want to put this out on platforms that have you know in the the xbox's case the switch's case you're 50 million plus and the ps4 100 million but this is a game whose it's it's a beloved game on its own merits for the gameplay but to to destin's point it was this this unicorn of a technical achievement of a game and it's time mm-hmm. and it's like I would be more excited about this if it were a Series X like launch game or early window game where it could use hardware retracing, uh, ray tracing, pardon me. It could use the the instant, it could use the hard drive, the, the fast hard drive. It could use the, 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 the full 12 teraflop experience, basically. Like, let's see, like, it, we're, we've already skipped a couple of generations uh, for, since Crisis. Like, What's one more? Let's let's make this game. If we're gonna do a remaster, air this thing out. Let's see it on the twelve teraflop box. So I think that's where I'm a little, I guess, just disappointed. Now I'm not saying this isn't gonna be cool and it's not gonna look great and be fun again, but we're this close to the Series X. <laughs> it's just like, oh come on, wait a little longer, and let's get a Series X version now. Hopefully there'll be a an a, you know an, an update a, a a smart delivery update. But still, I'm a little bummed. I, I hate to rain on anybody's parade here. So the opening mission takes place on August seventh, I believe, 2020. So it would be amazing if that was the release date. A lot of our commenters on the YouTube video kept pointing that out. <laughs> so I, I think that would just be like a really really fun nod that they could sort of have, have to themselves. But uh, yeah, Ryan, I'm sure it'll come out. Like if it works on the Xbox One, it'll work on all Xbox family of devices, right? So it's not there. Uh, this game well, also. Well, but taking taking full advantage, I'm saying that's what I want. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah, it probably will. I don't know how that stuff works. I assume that's engine based. Like if it has more more power to take advantage of, I, I think it will. Right. This originally came out on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. I just brought up the Wikipedia. Well, it originally came out on PC. I think the I yeah. believe the console ports were later. Yeah, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree with you that it should they should have just waited just a little bit because this was like such a famous game as far as showing off what your PC could do at the time. I, I think that's what most people know it for too. It's like, yeah. oh, that's how you test if your PC like you test certain things on your PC, that's right? That's how you knew if it was that's a real it. beast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the funny ahead, thing, the really funny thing is. Uh, the reason that it runs like crap is because the game's not optimized. It's nothing to do with <laughs> like how powerful your PC is. It was just optimized for crap. They were, <laughs> they were. Um, well, I mean, like they they were building for the tech at the time, so they could only like take 
take advantage of certain type of CPUs. And, and that was more of the challenge for how your PC can run it because modern PCs still have trouble running it. And I believe it was built for 30 frames. Don't quote me on that, but you, you, can, get, you can get it up to 60. Their intro cutscenes were also rendered at a very low quality, which is just kind of kind of goes against the whole <laughs> the whole history of the product. Looks like the PS3 and 360 versions came out in 2012. Yeah, at that least sounds that's right. When, that's when so the, so it came out on PC in 2007. Then 2012, PS3 and 360 uh, had their versions. And then I remember. So what I remember about this series is. Uh, it was a franchise, EA got involved with it and published two and three, if memory serves. You probably have it in front of you there, Des. There, um, there was also Warhead, yeah. Yeah. Warhead but, was 2008. Right, that was that was before EA got involved. Yeah. Uh, Crisis 2, if I, I think I'm remembering, almost positive it's two. Mm -hmm. Do you guys remember the uh, the very brief... 3d era the 3d glasses era of uh oh, yeah. of not only not only movies at home but video games as well oh, yeah. and i actually I, forgot I, all about that yeah uh <laughs> arkham arkham city had a 3d which was actually pretty cool looking because i had it was the tv before this ability and it, i think it, it must have come with the glasses because i had them but crisis 2 on uh console on the 360 had 3d support and it was actually pretty neat. Like it added a neat kind of depth of field with your gun and the first person view and some of the, the building stuff. But that's, it's funny that that's my, my distinct memory of the sequels. Cause then Cr crisis three, I remember, I feel like it kind of came and went with not, not that it was a bad game, but it just kind of didn't really stand out. It s seemed to come and go without a ton of fanfare. And it just seemed like another game, another c franchise that EA kind of just, wasn't able to successfully really have blossom into into a franchise. I mean, you could even argue Dead Space, like the original so beloved, even two, but then like three kind of feel like yeah. seemed tailed off. And then of course we never got another Dead Space again. But um yeah, I don't know if you guys even have memories of the sequels or if, so... if pretty much everybody's love is for the original. <laughs> well I was the lead on Crisis 3. I think I was, I don't know if I was on wikis, but I know I did the in five minutes for the Crisis story. The story is very bad. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Um, just, yeah, I'm playing through one again right now. I'm about halfway through one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the aliens show up, and then you have to fight the aliens, and and then, like, the world gets destroyed, and you have the cure in your bloodstream, and it just, it kind of, like, jumps the shark. <laughs> three really focused on stealth and you had this cool bow mechanic that was introduced that was when bows were all the rage yes and, i remember yeah I so yeah. uh three three was still good it ran much better than than one and two we also built a pc please don't google that video we got so much shit for that video because like we didn't wear wrist straps <laughs> and we didn't put up the thermal face i used that pc for seven years <laughs> until i parted it out to build a more powerful pc at ign but yeah um, wrist straps yeah it's just like if you just touch the case you're fine yeah just touch the grounding you're fine yeah, i've exactly. never worn wrist straps on building pieces yeah. so <laughs> anyway also, don't listen to me yeah i i had a i did a ton of work with the crisis franchise and um for ign specifically and yeah uh i like the crisis crisis games i think it's going to be cool to have one come back and be optimized for modern hardware i can't wait to see how they improve it from where it already is because it still looks gorgeous today check out the first 21 minutes on ign uh if you, if you haven't yet to kind of like take a trip down memory lane it's it's neat i do actually want to do that i'm going to go look at that video after this because if i if my memory my old guy memory 
serves me correctly, <laughs> Crisis was kind of a spiritual sequel to Far Cry because mm. Ubisoft bought the rights to Far Cry and took o- took over the franchise entirely because you know Far Cry Two was uh, went off in a totally different direction. That's Mitch Dyer's favorite Far Cry, and uh, and that became a Ubisoft franchise. And and Crytek was left with. So they had to make their own new series, and that's where Crisis came from. I think I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, but. and you know what the funny thing is? Digital Foundry brings that up in their video, and Far Cry <laughs> holds up much better. Like, Interesting. It's, it's much more optimized. So I don't know what happened with uh, <laughs> Crisis, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's coming to PC as well, that at least bodes well for the prospect of a proper Series X patch for it to take advantage of the hardware ray tracing and of all of the the series x features because that's like for me i i don't think i really want to dive back into it on even a 1x like i'm i'm gonna hold out i'm gonna because i'm gonna wait and see if we get that series x uh update because i weirdly never had the love for this game uh which is weird because i've is, I am and certainly was probably even more so back then a, a huge just first person shooter genre fan in general and something about it just never maybe it's because my I'll bet my machine just never ran it well would be my <laughs> guess if I were trying to think back well there's that and the characters aren't aren't super <laughs> relatable to put it, to put it mildly <laughs> like they keep just killing each other by you know melting their teammates so so there's that, and and the plot just kind of is all over the place with the aliens. It's it's hard to grasp on. Play through that first mission though. That first mission really really shines on the the tech front and what that engine was capable of. Sweet. Well, glad you uh, put that video together. Excellent, subtle plug there, Destin. That's how we do things on a lot. No, I know. Uh, good stuff. All right. So let's see here. Let's move on to our next topic which is Gamescom and conventions. So we've had E3 already canceled. We've had uh, Comic-Con just canceled very recently. Now, this past week, Gamescom as well, which, of course, from a person, people, a headcount perspective, absolutely dwarfs E3. Just makes it look like a play date compared to to E3, uh, compared to, to Gamescom, which is... 400,000 people. We've all been there. Uh, it is it is quite the spectacle. <laughs> Seth is nodding nope. negatively, but that's okay. You you have survived. You've by not going, you made it. <laughs> you're 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 fine. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's everybody. Somebody every year posts the the video on social media of the the hordes of people coming through when the when the uh, the show opens of just and it's literally literally wall to wall. So of a 15, 20 foot wide concourse hall, literally packed like zombies. Yeah, it's not even just like the opening either. Like the, the reason I've never really wanted to go is because uh, former coworker Brian Albert had taken the photo when he first went. And just this one hall is like, like you literally wall to wall people. Yeah. Like there's, there's no breathing room. Everyone's like shoulder to shoulder. And that's just it. It's just very packed. And I was like, yeah. It's a no lot. Thanks. I mean, I, it's. I think it's great that. Believe I'm not trying to dump on Gamescom. It's a great event, and it's it's a oh, public yeah. event. That's the thing. It's it's been more of a coordinated public event for m- many years, whereas E3 is just in the last couple of years had tried to get on the. All right, well, let's open it up to the public bandwagon, uh, which was so long overdue. But um, 
But yeah, so 400,000 people, and now Gamescom here in April, well ahead of the show in August, issuing a statement saying that Gamescom uh, will under no circumstances take place on site in Cologne, Germany. Uh, instead, there will be a digital Gamescom, which the team is working full speed on. Tickets, tickets purchased for the physical event will be refunded in the coming weeks, which, Ooh. I mean, it just, of course, you, you, you can't have... There's no way you could at this stage right. say we can have 400,000 people in a, in a convention center. Are they are they yeah. teasing E3 with that full speed remark? Because that's what E3 said. We're full speed ahead. And now Gamescom is saying the same thing. I just found it kind of interesting. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. You, a little context into how many people. It's 400. That Maine's biggest city is 75,000 people. And wow. in a metropolitan area, it's only 250,000 people. So there are almost twice as many people in this one convention as there are in the entirety of Southern Maine. Wow. <laughs> that yeah. is some context for sure. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's four Rose Bowls full of people. If you're, uh, four, you're thinking like the Rose Bowl, it's like four of those all together. That's, that's, that's Gamescom. They didn't have any um, choice, though, because I believe the German government just said no gatherings, yeah. like, until yeah. August 31st, and Gamescom was like, ah. Yeah, and they were yeah. holding on until the government made them go digital only, basically. But now they, it seems like they've changed their tune and adjusted to the digital event, which is, which is good. I think they can make a badass digital event. Yeah, yeah. and Jeff Keighley is once again going to do his Gamescom opening night live as a event, so making it, a, you know, which, which should be an especially, Jeff's got a great opportunity uh, with no with no E3. I mean, so does IGN with Summer of Gaming. So uh, yeah, Gamescom Keep should be fun this year. Yes, we will have plenty of, <laughs> of cool reveals, world exclusive. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be good, but it, it just makes perfect sense because even, even if things do get safer by the time August rolls around, I got to imagine that we're going to ramp slowly back into larger and larger public gatherings and a 400 i mean 400,000 people is at the extreme high end of the scale i mean the a basketball game is 20,000 people you know even a, a an nfl football game most of those stadiums are 70 80,000 we're talking 400,000 people all in one area uh now on that same note packs as well uh another one of the more popular of course that's just all for gamers, PAX has been so successful for, gosh, so many. PAX must be 15 years, 10, 15 years old by now. Uh, they are still saying, because they're due to have PAX West, the artist formerly known as PAX Prime, that first weekend of September is, is their, always their go-to. Uh, and they are still saying that they're uh, on track. They are still planning for that. I would, uh, again with my gambling addiction i would be willing to bet <laughs> any meal there's that there's no way that pax west happens and i don't again i don't say that maliciously i just i think this is going to have to be a gradual uh ramp back to to public gatherings and I, I just can't see any convention happening anytime soon even in september i mean that's only early september is only like two or three weeks after games come so mm. it's not a lot of not a lot of a, a difference there I'm being optimistic. I'm hoping it comes. Like I said on Twitter, PAX East was the last time we all got together to have fun. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool if PAX West was the first time we all got together again. And on the, uh, on the selfish side of that is I know that if nobody else wants to go, then it's my time to shine because I love Seattle. I'll go, I'll go there anytime. So 
<laughs> you just like the corners of the country, don't you? Maine, Seattle. It's like that Mitch Hedberg joke. I want to to put a pin on all the maps, so I had to go to the corners first. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll get you down to Orlando for something, maybe some Star Wars uh, Disneyland thing. Oh, yeah. Then uh, San Diego, I guess you'd have to to make your way to to when Comic-Con opens back up. That's... Yeah. You got you're talking about appearing on every podcast, Seth. You got to make your way to the four major corners of the country. I'm into it. It's going to happen. Uh, okay, so let's now move to uh, we've only got a few minutes left actually. So, let's uh let's see. I better let's skip right to trivia. We'll hold loot box. Yeah. We want to make sure to get a trivia question in. All right, this one comes from Henry Chen in Quincy, Massachusetts, up Seth's way in his general direction. How we doing, Bob? Yeah, his gamer tag <laughs> is, uh, I, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this. It's, I'm going to say, Xephyr, X-P-H-X-R. No vowels there, but that's okay. And quickly, because uh, we're, we're running out of time, but this is a good one. Uh, Seth, do you, tell me, I, I, know, I know that the gaming tastes better here of my usual unlock panelists. Are you a Forza or racing game fan in general? Yes, I love racing games, and I love Forza, and I know the answer to this one. Or at least I'm very certain that I do. Excellent. Oh, I'll go to you last then. This pleases me. <laughs> so uh, Henry Chen from Quincy, Massachusetts, asks this question. I'm going to go to Miranda first here. Forza Horizon, the original Forza Horizon, released on October 23rd, 2013. So that's coming up on its seventh anniversary. What car was on the cover of the first Forza Horizon. Miranda Sanchez, was it the Lamborghini Aventador, the Ferrari SP30 Aria, the SRT Viper, or the Chevrolet Corvette? All right, Ryan. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah? I know almost nothing about cars. That's that's (laughs) okay. So uh, I'm going to make a very wild guess. Um, I'm going to go A with a Lamborghini because I know what those are. All right. (laughs) I know what a Ferrari is too. I also know what a Corvette is, but all right, we'll go with the lamb. The Aventador <laughs> is a, it is beautiful alien looking vehicle. I've, I, I actually can remember the last time I saw one on the road. Cause it was just, it compared to normal cars, the Aventador <laughs> looks like it came from another planet. It is a uh, quite the wow. beast. I'm looking up. Destin. I've already answered to this matter. Uh, I thought it was the Ferrari, but that's a different game, actually. I realize. I don't think it's Lamborghini. I- I'm gonna go D Corvette. I'm the Vet. All right. I'm worried it's the Viper. The Vet. I mean, hey, the Vet is uh, America's. That's like America's sports car. It is. Mm. It gets. It gets a big redesign every handful of years, and it, it tends to get a lot of a lot of attention when that does happen. So you yeah. could be onto something there. They just came out with the the latest Corvette, which is. Making you know, making a big deal in the uh, big splash in the automotive world. Mm-hmm. All right, Seth. What do you say, my friend? Be- between when I was so confident and now, I've lost all confidence, and I, I doubt myself because now I'm <laughs> thinking that the Lamborghini Aventador was on the cover of Horizon Three, actually. Yeah. And so I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna say it's the Ferrari was on the first one because I don't actually remember now. Okay, I was too so... confident. I tripped myself up. So you're going with the Ferrari, Miranda's the got Ferrari. the Lambo, and uh, Destin has taken the, the vet. Do I have that correct? Mm-hmm. So you've you've somehow all managed to d- give a different answer <laughs> and get it wrong. It was the Viper. <laughs> oh, the, the return of the Viper. Dodge retired the Viper 
while and brought it back under their performance brand, SRT, the SRT Viper. And that was on the cover of the very first Forza Horizon, which was set. How about this, Seth? Do you remember where the first Forza Horizon was set? Oh, God, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Four is in the UK and three is in Australia and two is in... The first one was in Canada, Saskatoon. You're, I mean, you're closer than you're. You're in the general. I don't remember. And I played that game a lot. I like that game. Two, two was the south of France, the French coast, and the original was in Colorado. Okay. Yeah, Colorado. I'll say this: that Viper looks a lot like the more modern vets. You guys look this cool. Lamborghini I found. I actually don't know if you can see it well. Oh, it's yeah. like a rainbow chrome one. That's like oh, wow. the mother pearl, yeah. Two All was right. the Lamborghini. Uh, yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's All right. a Tron one. It's really cool. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I went down right. a whole like cool cars now. I'm like, yeah. wow. Uh, if if New listeners out there have a, an Unlock Block trivia question, please send it in. I could always use more good trivia questions to try and stump the panel, as Henry Chen successfully did. So send your trivia questions to Unlocked at IGN.com, uh, use the, uh, sorry, give me four multiple choice answers, note the correct one in your email, and we'll play again next week. And with that, uh, I want to thank the panel. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Seth, where can we find you for our, for our unlocked crew that's not used to following your exploits? Why, you can find me on Twitter at Seth Macy. I keep it real easy for me. There's no E in there. It's M-A-C-Y, like the store. Nice. Miranda. Hi, you can follow me at Havoc Gross, and that's Havoc with a K pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you're not following Seth, you're making a huge mistake. Oh. Because his, his account is the best. You're Come super funny. Thank you're you. So good. Thank you. I concur. He is the best. God, D- Destin, take us home, my friend. Best podcast ever been on. You guys really, there's this one thing that you guys need to check out this week, and that is Seth Macy's Twitter account. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Uh, definitely go watch it. And then go watch that crisis gameplay to go down memory lane. <laughs> All right. For uh, Destin Legary, Miranda Sanchez, Seth Macy, and yes, Steve Downs at the top of the show. I'm Ooh. Ryan McCaffrey. This was Unlocked 440, and we'll see you back here next week.